Welcome back. We hope you have been behaving yourself. This is Jackie Noto. And this is Mary Lewis. Welcome to Behave Yourself, a podcast on BA without the BS, spoopy style. Jackie, what is your candy of the week? From melted gummy, gross, to the delicious Kit Kats. How has your week really been going? I am having a puppy chow week. So for those of you who don't know, puppy chow is Chex cereal. You put peanut butter on top, chocolate on top, and then you cover it all in powdered sugar. I'm having a puppy chow kind of week. I made some earlier this week, but I also enjoy puppy chow. It's very fall staying in and cuddling up weather, kind of a snack for me. And my life status this week has been fairly good. I uh, did some adulting behaviors, cross those off off my list. I'm up to date with grading for my students. We're coming towards a downward slope for the rest of the semester for the classes I teach. So I'm having a puppy chow week. How about that, you, Mary? That is incredible to hear. I also love puppy chow. It's delicious. Specifically, we're going to let it slide that I said specifically, the cookies and cream puppy chow. I will admit after I made it, I was like, the next time I do this, I'm definitely putting in like double the chocolate. (laughs) Listen, every puppy chow I've ever eaten does not follow the recipe on the box. They are so much more peanut butter, chocolate, powdered sugar Mm -hmm. than what my current setup is. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I love that. Like experimenting with other little add-ins, maybe making it a salty, sweet experience, putting in like chopped up pretzels or something like that. Mm, Delicatessen. That sounds delicious. Wow. Slay. Love that you're having that type of week. I am also having a similar week. Love that we're on this. Are we on the same timeline? Maybe. Maybe. I was going to say Kit Kat because I really do feel that way. And I haven't said I'm having a Kit Kat week, which we've established is like the highest, the most preferred candy for us. Except last week we admitted it shouldn't be a Kit Kat as the top tier. It should be holiday Reese's. Debatable. Yes. (gasps) If I, if I agreed with that, I don't remember, but it is very, very high up there. Pull up the recording. I know, right? (laughs) VAR, review, review the footage. (laughs) So I was going to say Kit Kat and I I am, I'm having a Kit Kat week, like things are going well. And I, I feel like sometimes we don't want to admit when we're having Kit Kat weeks, if that makes sense. Like we almost are like, we feel bad that we're having Kit Kat weeks. And so I'm, I am not feeling bad. I'm having a Kit Kat week and I'm proud and it's great. I do think what personifies my week better than a Kit Kat though, because I made them and I successfully made them are chocolate covered strawberries. Oh, delicious. I'm so proud of myself. I do not have cooking skills mastered. So in the past when I've made the chocolate covered strawberries, I didn't wipe off the strawberries. Mm. And so they didn't stick or my mixture did not include, I put like a little bit of butter. I use ghee um, and uh, coconut milk. And so for it to like taste a little bit more like creamy, they're delicious. So I, I think that's, that 
more accurately personifies my week, but we're at Kit Kat level. And using butter or ghee, a butter alternative, also helps you to get that gloss, that shine mm-hmm. on the chocolate when it solidifies, which I know doesn't affect the taste, but it makes it look like the amount of time you spent on it. Exactly. I did. I didn't have spoopy. What are those things called that hold like cupcakes and cookies, like the tins, the paper that yeah. like, um, but they're holiday themed. And so that was also cute. I love that for you. How many did you make? I think I made approximately 15. Oh, good amount. Good. Yeah. Well, cause it sucks when you spend the time and you make like four and you're like, I just spent time and I have to clean all of these chocolate covered dishes for four strawberries. So 15, that's a good amount. And I consumed like five of them as I was making them. So it was great. Yummy. Mary, do you have any recommendations to share with us this week? <laughs> Apparently not. Cause I tried to just fly back <laughs> past them. Yes, I do. My recommendation. Thank you for asking. Thank you for letting me go first. Very kind. My recommendation of the week is to make a dopamine hits list. What this means are a list of reinforcers that are reinforcers for you that are in your control. The reason why I saw it on TikTok, it's where I got the idea. The reason why I think it's beneficial is that the list functions as a prompt that you can actually access these items during your day because there's nothing worse than having a meeting end early or having time in your day to take a break and you don't know what to do. That happens to me quite often. You have the opportunity to engage in non-contingent reinforcement or take a break and you just have decision paralysis. And Mm -hmm. you don't actually take a break. And then you're like, wow. And then you feel like you wasted time. And then you go into a deep, dark circle. That's what happens to me. So having the list is helpful because sometimes in the moment, it's hard to remember things that you actually wanted to do. I love that. It removes that. uh, I think you just said it, but for me, that decision fatigue is big. So removing that choice is always helpful. I do the same thing with like, I have the same breakfast almost every single day. Oh, I've actually heard that that's a very effective method for, it's not a dopamine hit, but for reducing response effort and just starting your day off without decision fatigue. It's actually what a lot of the presidents do. They have like three to four outfits that they continually wear and you have the choice of these four outfits today. So it's reducing the energy That's the word I was looking for. It's reducing the energy you have to do in those other tasks to allow you to spend more time on decisions like the country status. Right. Just minor, minor. But I love having a list of shimmers in your life. Why not? Shimmers and glimmers. Jackie, what is your recommendation of the week? So we've talked about my recommendation before in like our casual vocal verbal behavior, but I don't think we've ever listed it as a rec. So Mm -hmm. this week, my recommendation is cosplay the person you want to be absolutely mary's talked about this before like when she dresses up as a phd student and she does the work (laughs) Mm -hmm. i'm gonna say obviously we could do it that way but i think you can go even easier than that so an example for me is i am not good at making my bed in the morning period end of sentiment i'm not good at it how do I make myself someone who makes their bed in the morning? When I wake up, I'm like, oh, I'm the kind of a person who makes their bed in the morning. So then I make my bed. Like I, I, this is one of the things that I've learned in my life in terms of a lot of different retrospects. 
I learned it in terms of like self-confidence and self-esteem of being hot. Yep. Right. The first step in being hot is you being hot. Mm -hmm. First step in you being smart is you being smart. You got to fake it till you'll make it. You start engaging in behaviors that a hot girl would do. You start engaging in behaviors that a PhD student would do. You start engaging in behaviors that you'd identify as a bed maker to do. And allowing yourself to view it from this lens of cosplay or some a way that I've looked at it before is like I'm a video game character. And if I was someone else watching me in the video game of Jackie's life, what would I have them do? Because like, Ooh. if you think of Sims, right, you're not going to have your Sim not eat for 10 hours because they're going to have their little energy bar drop. When your Sim doesn't take a shower, they get little smelly lines. When your Sim isn't doing a physical activity or cleaning up after themselves, you can see that. So taking a step back and getting a little meta, breaking your own fourth wall here. But like, if you were a TV show, mm -hmm. what would you write your character to do? What would you write for them to engage in? So right now in my TV show, my plot line is that I'm getting my PhD. So I have to make sure that the main character in that TV show is engaging in the behaviors that I've written for this character. Do you think it takes the pressure off of you having to do these behaviors to reach an outcome and a goal that you really, really care about? Like you're kind of giving yourself autonomy in a meta way like you are controlling how you make these decisions but in a way that feels less pressure absolutely and it helps to separate those feelings of you know the imposter syndrome shame doubt I should have done this I could have done this mm -hmm. because when you see it from that meta perspective breaking that fourth wall when you tell a video game character to do something you're never ashamed of them or embarrassed of them or guilting them they just need to do the thing. Right. They need to move up their task bar of completion a little bit so that you can get some more points, you know? So like doing things like that, but on the same note, you would never have your video game character stay inside of their house nonstop. You'd have them go and meet their other video game character friends. You'd have them go out for lunch every once in a while. So like both in the work behaviors, but also in those life behaviors, like how boring of a video game would it be if you were in your apartment the entire game? Yeah. And it sounds like you're also focusing on things that you value and making like advocating for yourself, you know, like without the pressure, without the judgment and without the shame. Yes. You also get to view it like in a more fun sense. Like when you're in a video game, you get three options and you choose one of three options. Yeah. You're making it fun. Make life fun. Whatever it's going to be. You know how people say life's a game? And they yeah. legitimately believe that. I I want to believe life is a game. I'm not there yet. I haven't broken enough rules. But like, I think like when you view life that way, it becomes more fun. Like it's, it's a game. One of, Play the one game. One of my favorite conspiracy theories. I love the concept. Specifically, I take this one step further than us being a game. Uh, because I think if we are a game, our creator stopped playing the game oh I got good so I, I visualize this as like remember when you're a little kid and you had to do like dioramas in elementary yeah. school I visualize us sometimes as like a school project that this meta being created in elementary school and we've just been sitting in their closet for 20 years oh my god like 20 years of their time, which is our whole evolution process. Mm -hmm. So we're like, why is stuff going like this? It's like, cause we're sitting in the back of 
some now teenage god's closet. But it's more fun sometimes to view life that way. It is. And just like not taking it as seriously. Yeah. Like when I go to the dog park with my dog, I like stand up on top of the little obstacle course that they have in there and I'll jump off. And it's like, why? Because I can. Yeah. Making life fun. Great wreck. Thank you. Thank you. I'll let you go ahead and do your intro that I know you were excited for. Thank you. I jumped the gun. I was so excited. This week, we're talking about something very, very exciting, which is Halloween. But what's more exciting is that we have the honor and privilege of a spoopy season council member joining us today to give us the 411, to give us the tea and explain all things Halloween from a behavior analytic lens. I'm here for the 411. I'm here for the 666. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. Let's start talking about magic. Yes. So I wanted to open up here with magic because one of the things that we always hear about, whether you're watching like Once Upon a Time, whether you're looking at Rumpelstiltskin, whether you're looking at Maleficent, all magic comes with a cost. It's a phrase you hear in all of these films, right? Well, magic, it comes with a cost. And you're like, oh, okay, whatever. I'm going to do it anyways, because that's the plot line of this film. But let's look at that from the behavior analytic lens. All magic comes with a cost. All behaviors have consequences. And we can see this play out in these movies that focus on magic taking place. When someone chooses to engage in dark magic, when they're choosing magic that's going to hurt others, harm others, or for their own things like power, ego, we typically see that magic returning, that cost that it has, typically is problematic Mm -hmm. they're engaging in problem-based behaviors and it ends up leading to some form of punishment taking place both in the public sector definition of punishment and in the behavior analysis definition of punishment because typically it is a more intense awful experience and leads to a decrease in using dark magic but when we see young witches when we see individuals who are trying to help others trying to help their family trying to help their child, they're engaging in this light magic that often leads to light coming back in return. Here, we see appropriate behaviors lead to reinforcement. So all magic has a cost is essentially applying behavior analytic principles to magical explanations. That actually makes total sense. Thank you, thank you. Now, sticking on our route of magic, In my opinion, we cannot talk about magic without talking about witches. So before I get into a little bit of history sprinkling in here, Mary, give me some things that you associate with witches. Okay, well, I'm fresh off watching Practical Magic. Did I tell you that? I watched it. You did not tell me, but I'm so happy that you did. Wasn't it amazing? I was obsessed. It was thoroughly enjoyable. Now you're like, I associate midnight margaritas with witches. (laughs) Yeah, 100%. Um, I would say, okay, brooms, black nails, uh, big hats, Mm -hmm. uh, dark makeup, crystals, um, cauldron, Mm -hmm. um, black. Okay. We're going to keep Mary's characteristics here in mind her suggestions 
we're going to rewind. We're going to time travel. Let's look at the historical realm of witches. Now, I did do a little bit of research for this because I wanted to make sure I wasn't just telling you my opinions I had backing here. Early modern witch hunts can be traced back to the plague of 1348. Wow. Okay. So thinking about what Mary listed, things that are associated with witches. Brooms. Brooms are often associated with witches. What do we use a broom for today, Mary? To clean up dust. To dirt. clean. To clean. Okay. Cats are often associated with witches. What is something that cats are known to do? Sit on top of cars. Great answer. Think 1348. Oh. Uh, That cats are known to do? Make Mm -hmm. biscuits? I'm not hitting the mark. They do make biscuits. (laughs) I'm thinking cats catch mice. Oh, yeah. So, so far, two of the main things that are associated with witches, brooms, cats, both are an increase of cleanliness behaviors. Okay. We're removing dust. We're removing sediment from our homes using brooms. Mm-hmm. We have cats as companions that are killing and eating mice. Yeah. Rats. What's a common cause of the plague? I'm assuming being bit, bitten by rats. Yes. So we're seeing already some of these things that are associated with witches are cleanliness behaviors. Interesting. Now, if you're in the middle of the plague and you're engaging in cleanly behaviors, you are less likely to be ill. Why would they kill? Well, think. let's think about this. Let's okay. think about this. I'm a witch. I live in a town. Okay. I'm healthy. I'm fine. Everyone else starts getting ill. Oh, they think you did it? They think I did it. Ew. I'm being blamed for everyone falling ill. I must have hexed my entire community. Oh my gosh. Let's get into some of these other characteristics. Mm-hmm. Witches have cauldrons. Right. Right. To brew herbs. I'm going to explain something to you here. <laughs> Hit me. <laughs> Let's say I make dinner tonight. Okay. I put a black pot on top of my stove that puts fire out to heat up my pot. Mm-hmm. Sounds like a cauldron. Mm-hmm. What am I putting into that pot? Let's say I'm making soup. Okay. I'm putting in animals. I'm putting in dead animals. I'm putting in things I've foraged, vegetables, herbs, spices. I'm standing over it and I'm stirring it. Witches and their cauldrons are freaking soup. Okay, why is that bad? Why are people freaking out about cauldrons? Think of health behaviors again. Okay. What do you have when you get sick? Soup. They poisoned, they poison, they're poisoning people with their soup. Do I think witches are poisoning people with their soup? No. But if we think of the behaviors that witches are engaging in during the plague, they're cleaning their homes, they're driving out the cause of the plague, and they're engaging in eating nutritious values that they've cooked for themselves. When you get sick, you eat soup. Right. But they're being blamed. Of course, because everyone else is getting sick, but them. Okay. Well, that's forked up. So here, I think it's really interesting to talk about like debunking witches and how they became scapegoats for the locals. Because if you see that everyone else's town is sick outside of this one person, a woman lives alone, 
has a cat, has a broom, has a cauldron, she's a witch. Wow, that is, they really stretched that. So it's not that she's hexing you or targeting mm -hmm. you. Right. She's just engaging in her own cleaning behaviors, which is so funny to me because at this time as well, the precipice is that cleanliness is next to godliness. Mm -hmm. So someone who's engaging in what arguably is more godly-like behavior by being clean is being VMized. So we know that behavior that's reinforced is more likely to occur, especially culturally. This mm -hmm. has been going on since 1348. And this sounds like preposterousness to me. Why did this last for so long? Arguably is still very much a thing like people are like against, like people think other people are witches and are against them. Like they think witches are bad. I think a big part of why this continued to be a problem throughout history, and this is my opinion, uh, is the patriarchy. Women are empowered. Women have knowledge. And for most of history, those were not seen as beneficial attributes of women. Mm. So when you see a woman who's going against the norm, who lives on her own, who takes care of herself, who has information on healing strategies, how to heal wounds, how to make you feel better, that is a threat. Well, they are Keep just... in mind too, like at this time frame, at the time frame where we were burning witches at the stake, Michelangelo was painting. So like at this time of the Renaissance, when men were coming up with these new inventions, these new creations, these awe-inspiring things, women were actively being murdered. So I think oh, this also okay. plays into like the history that we have mm -hmm. of why men are seen to be in these positions. Because when women did have moments of empowerment, of power, of knowledge, they were a threat and removed. Um... So we gotta, we gotta give witches their credit. Yeah, we, we really witches do. their credit. And it's so funny too, because if you look at like the way that they used to write ingredients, right? Like the eye of newt. The eye of newt is a flower. It's not an eyeball from a newt, like the mm -hmm. animal. Yeah. It's a way to refer to a specific type of flower. So <laughs> like smarter things, than everyone. <laughs> right. Even the things that like to us when we read them seem scary. Most of them are just names for herbs flowers and things that they forage in their local communities hmm. yeah so sorry witches on behalf of humanity yeah um, and sorry that pod. we call you witches when in reality you were just empowered women yeah because is witches a um what's it called like from the word wicked is that i don't know if that's where the like vernacular time frame yeah, we need to ask the experts about this, but we apologize if that. Um, but it's a it's a good example of it really is a way that we viewed something for the rest of our lives because they were demonized mm -hmm. hundreds of years ago, which then brings in like the Satan aspect and the worshiping Satan. Whereas oh, yeah. I don't really think that's the reality for most people who are witches. Uh, yeah on the same note before we move on to our next topic something i like to bring up here is the concept of female versus male in terms of some of these tendencies if a woman can see the future she's a witch mm -hmm. she's a mind reader 
if a man i'm can so see curious the future, what you're about to say he's a prophet i knew it i knew Say that. So viewing the same scenario for That's... someone who is male versus female in the way that it's godly wow. or ungodly is very interesting when we're talking about Halloween and witchcraft and witches that when women had the same abilities as men, they were of the devil. But when men did it, they were of God. This makes me want, I don't mean this in an anti-religious way at all. This makes me want to call up Eve and go, hey girl. <laughs> Hey, what? did you really eat that what apple happened? or were we all gaslit? Like what, <laughs> what happened? Can you clarify? Because I think we're just getting Adam's perspective. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and he's like, well, she told me to. It's like, well, if your friends told you to jump off a bridge, would you? Come on, Adam. Also, Adam is the only one who knew that, like what the apple was. Eve didn't know, but. That's a topic for another day. We'll do behavior analysis and religion at another time. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So we've talked about magic. Makes so much sense. Makes me want to talk about Harry Potter, but this is not the time and place for that. Ooh. We talked about. Oh, yeah. I love Harry Potter. I do too. I just feel like there are so many. There are so many. I just remember talking about it with my family and like the, the underlying messages of unconditional love. I think are cool to talk about, but I'm not a Harry Potter like expert. I just liked the books and enjoyed the movies. So maybe we can make that like an episode behavior analysis, Harry Potter. I don't know. We talked about witches. This next topic I'm really excited about because I genuinely had no idea because I'm a scaredy cat. So I can't really watch horror films or else I get nightmares. Um, so There's like a whole science behind this. And Jackie, I would love for you to just educate me and anyone else who doesn't know about the behavior analysis behind horror films. Hello, I'm here as a horror film connoisseur, and I'm going to share with you kind of the breakdown that happens across horror films. Now, if you're someone who watches them, I'm going to start saying this stuff and you're going to go, yep, that's factual. And this is a common uh, behavioral pattern that happens across horror films. It always ends up being kind of the same behaviors, the same results. So I'm going to go through uh, evaluate and analyze the plot of these horror films, specifically looking at the increased likelihood of death and order of death. So to open, within the first 15 minutes of a horror film, there is going to be a girl who is naked. It does not matter where she is naked. If she's engaging in sexual intercourse, if she is taking a shower, if you get the shot of a woman without clothing on, she is going to die. Oh, first okay the person who gets naked dies first okay typically this is going to be a blonde woman or a redhead woman hmm. continual theme now let's say the redhead is the naked woman and she dies first okay we still have our blonde woman available now the blonde woman is typically seen as not smart or mean right and she's typically dating a nice boy mm -hmm. then on the opposite side we also have a jock who is seen as mean or not smart often seen as the jerk they are dating the nice girl is this scooby-doo <laughs> no 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 okay scooby-doo is so much lighter okay so let's say our blonde survives the person mm -hmm. who gets naked the redhead she dies first 
Okay. The person who's always going to die next is the only character of color. Oh, In no. Films, there is typically one person of color. Now, often the person of color plays a dual role where they are also the comedic relief. Person of color dies second. Okay. This being said, if no one gets naked, person of color dies first. Oh, man. So we're going through the chain here. Person who gets naked, person of color. Okay. Up next is that mean guy, the jock. He's mean. He's not smart. He's often seen as the jerk. Mm -hmm. You don't like him. Sometimes when you see these horror films live, people cheer when he is murdered. Oh, now the jock is typically dating our main character. He's going to be dating a woman who is portrayed as smart and is typically brunette. Oh, so now she does not have her partner. Mm. After the jock dies. If the person of color was not the comedic relief, if they're two separate people, the comedic relief dies after the jock. Comedic relief can be someone who cracks jokes or often in horror films, someone who smokes weed. They're the comedic relief. They die after the jock. So now we're left with the nice girl who's smart and is a brunette. We're left with the blonde if she's not the person who got naked at the start we're left with her boyfriend a nice male who's often also typically brunette after the comedic relief if the blonde is still alive she dies mm. now the blonde character who's a woman in the film is typically seen as the annoying character the character who screams a lot the character who cries a lot the character who can't get it together mm. so often when this blonde girl dies people will also cheer because they're happy to have her be removed from the situation. Which means at the end of every horror film, the two people who are going to be left are the typically smart brunette who was dating the jock and the nice male brunette who is dating the blonde. Now this can end two different ways. Either way, these two nice brunette people end up forming some form of a relationship. Hmm. They're there for each other. They trust each other. You're watching it and you're like, they're both going to make it out. So that's option one. Both of them make it out. We have two people. But we know this doesn't frequently happen in horror movies. There's normally only one person left. If we're going in the route of one person left, what will happen is following this rapport that has been built between these two individuals the nice male will sacrifice himself in some fashion so that the brunette female partner can survive. Every horror film ends with the brunette woman. Okay, so what's the function behind is question one, what's the function behind this strategy, this pattern of behaviors? And question two, is every horror film like this? Like, so people go knowing that this is going to happen? I, most horror films are like this. Most people do not have the ability to perceive patterns the way that I do. Okay. If that makes sense. Like, just like when you and I talk about um, Bridgerton or mm -hmm. only murders in the building. Mm -hmm. I'm like, here's the pattern. Here's what's going to happen next. Yeah. But most people don't see that pattern because they're not analyzing a Halloween film. 
Oh, we but should. Most do end this way. If you think of like the Final Destination movies, this is how it ends. And they always end with one person. And then when you go into the next Final Destination movie or in any sort of like chain of movies, mm-hmm. the one survivor goes back into that movie. Now, if we're looking at a follow-up movie, the survivor will be around long enough to provide you with a pertinent information and then they die. So it's one of those like chains where it just becomes a cycle. Now I want to do this. Go ahead. Now I want to do this with only murders in the building. Like look at these patterns and see if there are any, like see what the patterns are. That's different because that's a TV series. Yeah. The pattern works in movies. Mm. But if I'm saying if there's a pattern. Oh, gotcha. Well, there is. And only murders in the building. There always is. Mm. Mm. <laughs> but yeah, so looking at this analysis can be fun. It can be enjoyable. And it's just an uh, interesting way to see the way that this happens. I think a big reason why it's the same formula is because, one, the concept of if it's don't broke, don't fix it. Right. However, this formula came out in like the 80s, the 90s. Mm-hmm where people of color weren't included as often Mm -hmm. women weren't included as often so i think it would be interesting to see this whole plot be turned on its head uh because it's always characteristically the same yeah it would be cool if a movie horror movie came out and everything was like backwards Mm -hmm. and even though i can't emotionally watch horror films it's good to know that i would last in one and it's nice too, be yeah, you would. But it's nice too because now more and more horror films are working to break that like fourth wall. Yeah, we all know this. So you'll have like the jock who's seen as the jerk say something like, "We should all split up," and then the person of color will go, "What are you talking about? We're not splitting off. That's how I'm gonna die." And like they hint at that. Oh, it's sneaky. interesting. In horror films as well, there's a lot of foreshadowing. Where someone will be like, well, whoever goes and does that, like, you're not going to make it back. What are you talking about? And then like 20 minutes later, we're to the point where someone has to go do the thing. Someone goes and does the thing and they die. Wow. On this note, I just want to do a real quick aside here. Something that I continually see in horror films that drives me up a wall. Yeah. If there is a murderer and they are trying to kill you and you go out to your car and all four tires are slashed. Get in the car and drive on the rims. Listen, in your normal life, you don't want to drive around with a flat tire. But if someone's trying to kill you, yeah. I'd rather kill my car first. Thank mm-hmm. you very much. Like that should not be a stopper for us. Right. So if your car tires are flat, you get in it, you drive anyway. Mm-hmm. It's much better to pay for a new car than to not be around to pay for a new car. So right. That's just a little aside I'd like to put in. Don't split up. Use the car if it's available. Don't hide in the shed filled with chainsaws. You know, just like basic stuff. And on this same note, mm-hmm. my final uh, Halloween tidbit here. This goes into witchcraft. This goes into you hear a scary noise. Mm-hmm. And this pairs well with behavior analysis. In our field, in our ethics code, you don't take clients who are out of scope. Yeah. My suggestion here, when friends want to do a Ouija board, when they want to do the Satan's eye, when they want to communicate with the dead, Mary's heard me say this before. My number one rule with anything like this, don't fuck with shit you don't understand. Yeah. You've got to stay in your scope of competence. You really do. If you do not know how to close a Ouija board, you have no 
responsibility, no right to open one. Yep. You got to stay in your scope of confidence here. <laughs> Absolutely. I, f- I feel the exact same way. Lastly here, let's talk about how Halloween could be reinforcement opportunities for us. <laughs> for the for the sensitive, um, spooked out other humans that exist out there. Like I said, like, I just, I can't emotionally, like, I get so scared. Like, I get nightmares. I won't sleep. Like, my tolerance, I don't have, to- I need, I need tolerance training on, like, scary movies and, like, Halloween stuff that's, like, actually scary because I just can't tolerate it. But something that I have been doing the past, I would say, like, two, three years that has really like enhanced my overall well-being and helped me enjoy this type of season in like a way that adds value to my life instead of like making me pee my pants is that I pick out certain items or certain topics and that are surrounding like that's why I call it spoopy season instead of spooky I know I didn't coin the term but I'm saying like to me spoopy feels like a little less intense than like spooky scary like type thing so last year I was all about really cute pastel pumpkins with puns on them and this year I'm really obsessed with cute ghosts or like animated ghosts like tiny ghosts they're just really cute so for example I have three mini light up pumpkins in front of me that are glittery and so if it's early in the morning or late at night and I'm doing work I'm never doing work late at night but if I'm sitting at my desk and it's late at night or early in the morning I'll turn the lights on um if I want to get an early morning writing session in which happens every once in a while like I I am the most productive in the morning that doesn't mean I wake up and I'm like ready to go I'm not that type of person I have to like you know build some behavioral momentum so I have mini ghost um, it's like a light up. It's a string lights from Target and they're mini ghosts and they're like a blue color and they're actually pretty bright. And so I turn them on in the morning and I have my coffee. I have I'm literally drinking out of a coffee mug right now that says trick or treat and it has cute little pink and orange and um, purple candies on them. So what I'm trying to say is that I use items that are related to spoopy season and to Halloween And I transform them into SDs for reinforcement. And then I have them around my home. And it's just a way to make life more fun, especially as someone who works from home full time. I love that. And I'd take it even a step further, not just on the day to day, but what can we program on the weekend as a fun fall activity? And we can get our work behaviors done during the week to allow ourselves that reinforcement at the end. Yeah. And I like that it's different than the rest of the season go looking for pumpkins watching practical magic like those kind of things that are just you can only do them or you only traditionally do them during this time it increases the value of those items and activities oh yeah going to a good apple orchard getting a caramel apple mm. oh, delectable a nice corn maze mm, amazing pun intended amazing amazing On the note of trying to get into spooky things, here would be my suggestion. A good, scary-ish movie chain to watch, Mm -hmm. Final Destination. Okay. Here's what I like about Final Destination. For someone like me, it's comedy. Because it's a circumstance of events. It's a bunch of coincidences that all perfectly aligned for this, 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 this. So like that would be my suggestion as a good intermediary, uh, but you can't let it get into your anxiety. 
Mm. So there's like, <laughs> there's two different examples <laughs> that I'm supremely conscious of after Final Destination. One is whenever I'm driving behind a truck and it has all the logs. Because that's one where like a circumstance of events, a log comes off the truck and it goes into your car. So oh, now yeah. whenever I see one of those on the highway, I'm like, I'm not going to be behind you. But the one that got me when I first watched it, funny enough, is someone's shoelaces got caught in the escalator. And it's so funny because like, oh, if this happened no. in real life, what would you do? Take your shoe off? You'd take your shoe off. Yeah. Does the character do that? Probably Absolutely not. not. Yeah. So that's a good little like intermediary where like, it is scary, but it's funny because you're like, this wouldn't happen. This wouldn't happen. So when you're trying to like get yourself into scary movies, look at the ones that you feel comfortable with. So for me, like the scary movies that are the most scary are the ones that have nothing to do with magic, nothing to do with demons, nothing to do with ghosts. The scary movies that are scary to me are humans hurting humans because that is real. Mm -hmm. Whereas like, uh, Hocus, well, like Hocus Pocus isn't scary, but like witches coming in, mm-hmm. the devil coming in, ghosts taking, it's like, all right, all right. But for me, the scary ones are humans hurting humans. So right. if you want to get into scary stuff, start with the stuff that isn't scary to you so that yeah. you can get enjoyment out of those films when like someone comes out, it's a jump scare, but you're not scared, scared. You're just like, oh, I wasn't expecting a ghost there. Yeah. It's a good way to like ease yourself into it to enjoy it. Now, Mary is the fall gal. I'm a spooky season gal. So uh, I've gotten to the point where when I go to like haunted houses, I just see all of this as comedic because I know the planning. I see the pattern. So I can right. like, walk in a haunted house. There's a distraction on the right. And then I turn to the left and I go, and you're going to come out of here. And they come out and they go to scare me and I laugh. Okay. So I'm the person who laughs in haunted houses. Oh, I know pattern recognition, babes. That's all it is. Let's go superpower. But this being said, like when you want to engage in fall, do it whatever way is for you, Mm -hmm. whatever way you want to do it. No Mm -hmm. one's here to judge the way that you find reinforcement, the way that you find joy. One of my favorite things is I get a pumpkin bigger than my head and I carve it and I put it on my head. That brings me joy. I do it each year. So do what, do fall however you do fall. I'm just a spooky season council member. So I had to come on and talk about Halloween. But if you're a pumpkin patch, apple orchard, corn maze, plaid (laughs) shirts kind of gal, full force, baby, you enjoy that season. Heck yeah, you're motivating me because there is a small pumpkin patch by my house and I saw that they have pink pumpkins and I wanted to go, but I just haven't because I'm like, it's not really worth it, whatever. And I think I might go do that after um, this recording. Here's the thing. If you don't do it now, your next opportunity is a year from now. Right. Who wants to wait that long? And will there even be pink pumpkins next year? Who knows? Who knows? You could be missing your opportunity for a pumpkin. Yeah. I'm sticking with it. A pink kin. Yeah. Pink love it. (laughs) It works. On this note here, Mary, how are you filling up your candy bowl this week? Ooh, love that you're saying it like that. Too true. By eating chocolate covered strawberries. Um, Mm. no, which seriously, but um, ways that I've hydrated myself this week, excuse me, is I prepped um books that I want to read 
like I took what I mean is I took the time to look at books that I would like to read because sometimes I don't do that and I'm about to run out of my I'm about to finish my book series so I lined up some books and one of them just got released from Libby today and I was not expecting it which is the best um and painting my nails we're doing a little cosplay prep um for some cool stuff that I'm doing and something that I've found is that when my nails are painted I think because I can see them I feel a boost of confidence but I don't really love going to the nail place because I'm a sensitive girly and it hurts sometimes (laughs) it's also really pricey so I have a little nail kit and um, I just painted my nails and they're a navy blue so it's like I a fall girly but like professional but like don't cross my boundaries because I'm gonna give you feedback like that's kind of how I feel going into it and that's how I'm filling up my candy bowl were the books that you just wrapped up your court of thorns (laughs) roses that series yeah I'm on the so I'm on the last book and I didn't I thought there were like 15 more this is the last one it has I do feel like it's been the best one for me but yeah, so I needed to, and I only have one more left in my Greek fan fiction, mythology, my Greek mythology fan fiction book. And that's the one that I borrowed and it got released early. So I'm like, heck yeah. That's awesome. Love to hear it. Love to hear it. How are you filling up your candy bowl this week, Jackie? With all things October. <laughs> so as you heard from my identifier, I made puppy chow this week. This past weekend, me and a couple of my friends here went to an event that is put down in the downtown region of where I live. They shut down downtown. They have local restaurants, put up booths. They have local artists performing music, uh, selling their work. They have wine, they have beer. So we just like went downtown and popped around and had a great old time. And I have some more Halloween activities planned for this weekend. I'm going to be carving that big pumpkin I just told you about. I'm going to be going to a spooky brunch. So I'm, I'm filling my candy bowl with all things candy. Reinforcement goes where candy flows. So I am just sticking in that spooky season and getting all of it that I can before it gets into the most wonderful time of of the year. year. Wait, question. Once it's after October, I know we talked about this, but I forget. After October 31st, are you immediately transitioning into? No. Okay. I be- I, I would like, I am, but I respect that you're not. I do not like the forfeiture of Thanksgiving. What does that mean? Like not acknowledging it? Yeah, but it's actually not Thanksgiving that I care about, which might sound silly. Um, To me, after Halloween, before Thanksgiving is when I get rid of the scary stuff, but the fall stuff still stays up. Like November to me is still fall. So I'll get rid of like my hanging knives, my skulls, but I'll keep my pumpkins. (laughs) (laughs) I know it sounds so, so loopy, but I'll keep like my pumpkins, the purple, the orange, and like the scary decor goes away Mm -hmm. between. So like for me, October is spooky season. November is when I'm fall girl. Okay. Now it's actually not... Thanksgiving, that's my cutoff point. For me, the transition of seasons is the day after Thanksgiving. Okay. Black Friday. That makes sense. So I grew up in Chicago. Uh, We have a really big mall. It's like the fourth biggest mall in America, the first biggest all under one roof. It's called Woodfield Mall. They have Black Friday deals each year. 
So my brother and I used to go to like Best Buy at midnight. And then the next morning we'd wake up at like 4 a.m. And we'd go to do Black Friday shopping. Now it's cold. It's Chicago. It's freezing. Mm -hmm. But when you're working out all through a mall that has heating in it, you don't want to carry a coat along with all the deals that you're trying to get. Mm -hmm. The way my brother and I loophole this is we wear ugly Christmas sweaters, Black Friday shopping. Oh, that's really sweet. So like you have your coat on in the car and then for the little hustle from the car to the mall, you're not in just like a regular clothes because you are in a sweater. So it's at least more. But then when you get into the mall, you're not dying from having your coat on. Right. So for me, Black Friday is the official flip into Christmas because it always started at like 4 a.m. in an ugly holiday sweater. That's really sweet. I love that. I love that tradition. I can't remember when I started celebrating fall slash spoopy season, but I feel like it was like September. So I'm actually like good, which this was my plan. This is the first time I've done this. So I'm excited. I'm, I feel like I'm kind of spoopied out. Uh, well, that's not true, but like I'm getting, I'm preparing. It's a good and- place to be though. Cause it's the worst when the season passes and you feel that you haven't done enough for that season and yeah, you missed out. Right. So I'd rather be tired than feel like I haven't done anything. Yeah. And then October 31st hits. And I think the reason Nove- November 1st, I'm going to start celebrating holiday season. I'm going to turn on the YouTube with the magic and the Santa and the winter wonderland, like study music visuals is because for school, if I would wait to celebrate the holidays after finals are over, but then you like kind of run out of time. And so, and I want to be able to use it as a reinforcer. I want to be able to enjoy it. So it kind of makes sense in my brain to start celebrating November 1st. So that way, by the time I get to like December 12th, when like school's done or it's finals week, I already have been celebrating this whole time. So it doesn't feel like I, you know what I mean? It doesn't feel like I missed out. I've missed out on Christmas a couple of times because I like started when finals were done. Now I'm in holidays and that's just not fair to yourself. It's really not these little dopamine hits in your life. Chase them. And you can chase them while you're grinding it out. Like while you're in the busiest season of your life or while you're working really hard, it's okay to also celebrate those and make time for those activities or embed them monitoring. Yeah. Or embed them into your daily work day. Yeah. You need self-reinforcement. It needs to be an external stimulus. Yeah. Program it. 100%. You heard it here first. Just kidding. We're not the worst people. (laughs) But we're the best. (laughs) We're the spoopiest. We're the spoopiest. And that wraps up this week's episode. Thanks for tuning in. Remember to make waves, collect data, and as always, behave yourself. Wah, ah, 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 ah.